You're listening to the Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. Hi, I'm Cheryl Ross, the Next Steps and Discipleship Pastor here at Southard Church, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Scott Beha. In this week's episode of The Extra Point, we will talk about how to make sure we have the right people in our lives, people who can help us when we need it, people who can fight for us, and people who can make us better because we believe that we are better together. So Sunday, you shared a popular quote from Benjamin Franklin that said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. However, you added that there's one more thing that we can be certain of as well, and that's battles. So would you care to remind us what you meant by that? Yeah, well, I'll start. That that quote, actually, I think is kind of funny because I'm not even certain that it's Ben Franklin. Only the Internet says that it was Ben Franklin. So I'm But it's I'm on hoping, the Internet, so yeah. it has to be true. Yeah, since it's on the Internet, I assume that it's true. So <laughs> I'm hoping that that was actually Ben Franklin and that I didn't sound like an idiot in front of everybody. But either way, the point was not who said it, but that it was said. And so we're talking about certainty, and I, I do believe that battles and struggles or storms or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. in life really are inevitable. And the reason why I believe that is because I've lived long enough to realize that no matter how good things are going or how, or how much we prepare or how much we do mm-hmm. um, to try to ward against things happening, they still have a way of happening. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just completely certain of that. Just um, it really does, and I know it, it sounds somewhat pessimistic, but I, I would like to think of it not as so much as pessimism, um, so much as realism. That mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to enjoy good times because you know sometimes <laughs> the best times are always followed up by the worst times, and that's just kind of like the cycle of life. But it's mm-hmm. also what makes life so incredibly beautiful. Like, the good times wouldn't be so good if there weren't bad times, because if everything was good times, then nothing would actually be good times. So the good times are only good comparative to the bad times, and the bad times, um, you know, are are useful in that, and they're also very useful in our lives for the way that God um, Mm -hmm. has designed us. And and so from the beginning, when I say that they're certain, I want to make sure that I'm certain to say this— God doesn't cause this to happen. Right. God does not cause the battles. God does not cause um, the struggles and the things that we go through in our mm-hmm. lives. All of that was taken care of through what Christ has done for us. Now, right. you may see God operating differently here in the Old Testament, but that is not the way that God is interacting with us currently. Mm-hmm. These battles and things that we face when you get a bad diagnosis at the hospital that's Mm -hmm. not god's punishment when you lose your job that's not god being upset with you Mm -hmm. these are just things that happen now god is for you um and and he wants good things for you so now just you know as a way of comparison though god did operate differently before the cross of jesus christ Mm -hmm. and so therefore you will see times where um god kind of sends certain storms people's way um but again that's all before the cross of Christ. And so battles are definitely inevitable, Mm -hmm. but they play a role. But they're also what helps life be so sweet whenever we get to experience those good times. Yeah, it makes us appreciate them that much more. And also reminds us of God's faithfulness as well as we, we 
get through those things and we see how God has demonstrated his love and care for us in those things, I, I just think it's, it's part of life and it is beautiful, like you said. So you taught from a story that I love because I am a fan of Moses and his story. But it's from Exodus where Moses was leading the Israelites and they've been wandering and traveling after they've been rescued from after 400 years of captivity and slavery in Egypt. And I don't want to go a whole lot into the background because you should go back and listen to the sermon if you didn't hear it. But they've gone through just one thing after another. They're tired, they're exhausted, and then suddenly they're faced um, with the Amalekites in battle, like the Amalekites are attacking them. So who were the people that were with this with Moses in this story, and how did they help him? Yeah, so one of the big things that I was really highlighting on Sunday, and I think it's just a key that I think if we think about it, we realize, like, oh, of course that's right, but we don't always live it out, is that when you get the right people around you, you get yourself into the right place, then you're really set up to win. And so that's what Moses had going for him. Mm-hmm. He had Joshua. Joshua was his fighter. Right at the beginning of the story, uh, he, he goes to Joshua. Hey, go find some guys that can fight. Go find some guys that can fight. And the crazy thing at this point, and I didn't even realize this the first, uh, when I first started studying this last week, um, like Israel was so fresh out of slavery, they, they had never been in a battle before. Mm-hmm. It, it was their first one of this type. They, they most likely didn't even have weapons. Like, they might have found, like, a stick out in the wilderness or something <laughs> that they whittled into a sword. Like, they didn't even have anything right. to fight this whatsoever. So Joshua literally has to go out and just ask for volunteers. Who's willing to fight? Who's willing to go out and put your life mm-hmm. on the line? Um, I can't give you a sword. There's no guns. We don't have any armor. We don't have what it takes. But who's willing to go do it? And the incredible thing is that he found people that was actually willing to go mm-hmm. and fight. So... Moses had his fighters, and we all need those people um, in our lives. As I was preaching through this on Sunday, it just hit me. Um, I don't know if I said it the first service or second service only, but like just recently going through something really difficult, I needed someone to fight for me. And as I pulled my phone up, I was looking through, and I was thinking, man, I, I, I have like a phone full of fighters. Like I mm-hmm. know that there are people in my corner that I could go to at any point to fight with me, um, to, to pray, to, to encourage me. Like, I've got those people. So that's, that was Joshua's role in this. And I, I've heard this story taught quite a bit. And, in fact, I've probably taught it before mm-hmm. and just totally left Joshua out of it because right. all the focus goes to what Moses is doing with the other two guys. But this time as I'm reading it and um, I was just challenged, like, no, Joshua plays a key role in this. Like, yeah. he's out there without any any of the good stuff that you need to fight a battle, and he's still willing to do that for Moses. Mm -hmm. Because if Joshua wouldn't go out and fight, if the men wouldn't go out and fight, then it wouldn't have mattered. Like, God has to have willing vessels to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's how he has chosen to operate in his creation. So he had Joshua, his fighter. And then Moses, like, it seems kind of weird. There's a battle going on, and... Um, what God directs him to do is to take his two boys, Aaron and her, Aaron being his brother, her being one of the chief elders of the Israelites, most likely, and go, go up on a mountainside to watch. Now, I'm guessing, you know, there might have been those within the ranks of the Israelites that didn't particularly care for this, that their leader, 
and his two sidekicks went up to watch the battle as it was going right. on. But yet there was a plan in place. And so the other two people played such a key role because the way God set this battle up was that if Moses could keep his hands above his head with the staff of God, um, you know, showing it's God that fights on their behalf in mm-hmm. the battle and it's God who will ultimately get the victory, then the Israelites are going to win, even though they're not prepared for it, even though they don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. So that's like a word to all of us that feels like every time the next battle comes, you don't have what it takes, you don't have mm-hmm. the the resources, you don't have the expertise, whatever it is, you feel inadequate. If you'll realize that, that you can still let the battle belong to God, he will fight for you, and that's what the Israelites are doing. But because you can't hold your arms up over your head indefinitely, that would be an incredible feat of strength if you could do that. Right. He needed Aaron and her, and the reason yeah. why God had Aaron and her there were to, was to hold his arms up when he could no longer do it. And so mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the type of people that we need around us. We need a Joshua. We need someone that will fight for us, and we also need those people that will help hold us up when life is crushing us. Yeah, that's great. So now you said that, you know, Moses... Moses was unable to do it on his own. And so we can't either. And sometimes, a lot of times in life, we kind of face the danger of really thinking, hey, I can do this on my own. I'm good. I don't need anybody. So what are some things that we may face or run into if we fall into that false reality of thinking we can do it on our own? Yeah, the image that I just got is, I don't know if you've ever seen videos of like people doing squats at a gym mm-hmm. and they're really trying to push themselves to new personal records and push their limits. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're doing it by themselves, that weight, and let's say that it's actually more than what they can handle, which is the situation we find ourselves in quite often in life. It is more than what we can handle. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why lifters need spotters is so the way that barbell doesn't end up crushing you. Right. And I've seen people that have tried to, to squat more than what they can handle without it, and it literally just cripples them to the or crumbles them to the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's the importance here. That's what's going on. Like if you choose to do life on your own or without the right people, because I, I said it a lot Sunday. It was just something mm-hmm. God really laid on my heart. Like because. I've heard people in the past they go I've got my group of friends I've got my family I don't need I don't need the church I don't need a small group I've got my own people it's like mm-hmm. yes you might have people but are they the right people is so important because trying to do it on your own Moses could not have done this on his own he would have failed he would have failed without Aaron and her cuz life will eventually get the best of you mm-hmm. and, and try to crush you and so you need people in your life for that and so when you run, when you try to do it on your own, you're, the problem with trying to fight on your own and try to do life on your own is when you're on your own, you are the only person that can fix your problems. You're, yeah. You and your resources, your expertise, your strength is all that you have to lean on. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Moses, if Moses went up on the hill by himself, he only had his own strength, mm-hmm. he only had his own willpower, but since he took his two boys with him, he had the strength of three men mm-hmm. in, the, in, in that one man. Um, and that's the difference. You get to lean on the strength of others. And then the way that, that this eventually happens is there will be a time in 
those people that you surround yourself with that you'll be that person that holds them up. So they'll have to borrow your strength at times Mm -hmm. as well. And it's mutually beneficial. It's not independence and it's not it's not dependence. Um, it's interdependence. Like it's, we, we need each other. We really are better together. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I need you, you need me. It's the way, it's just the way that we're designed. And when we try to do it all on our own, it's just not going to work. Life will eventually crush you. Right. Absolutely. So I, I liked how you reminded us about the, the dangers of having the wrong people in our lives. As well. Um, so share a little bit more about that. Like, how do we know that there are the wrong people in our life? Yeah, so I, I don't know why, but on the way to church Sunday morning, I, I'm thinking about my sermon, I'm getting ready, and I have this, not like a vision, but this like picture flashes in my head of the first and only time I ever made my way into the back of a cop car. <laughs> And I asked the Lord, I said, do you think that's okay to share? Because it seems like (laughs) that might be an issue for some folks in the church to know that I had been in the back of a cop car and it wasn't on like a ride along. Like Mm -hmm. I had earned the right to be back there (laughs) in the cop car. And it kept coming to me. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to share it. But I remember looking back, I was with my friends. I was with the people that I loved the most in this world. Um... But they they weren't they weren't making good decisions. I wasn't making good decisions. Mm-hmm. Together we were not making good decisions, mm-hmm. and so therefore we ended up in the back of a cop car. And you know, thankfully nothing major came of it. But you know, every time I look back on my life that I have had to face consequences, or had to face a battle or a suffering that you know that I really wish I hadn't had to go through, I can normally start the story with. I was with the wrong people. We were in the wrong place. Uh-huh. We, these were not people that had my best interests at heart, and I honestly was not the type of person at that time <laughs> that had their best interests at heart. We right. were just living life. We didn't care about the future. We yeah. weren't thinking about that. You know, so it's nothing. I love those guys to this day. Right. Like, I still love those guys, but I just know yeah. for what God wanted to do in my life that there did end up having to be some distance. I still see these guys from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have. They could call me right now, and I would drop everything to go do anything for them, but there did have to be some distance because we just ended up with different goals right. in life. And so it, had I stayed around the wrong people, I would have kept going to the wrong places. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, when I first got saved, um, and, and before I got saved, I was a big drinker. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, it seemed, it was like, it was all I did, really. Like, yeah. like I would go to work at, you know, wherever, but then, like, all I was doing was working to make sure that I could go drink later. Yeah. And that was one of the things the Lord really wanted to work on in my life early on was, like, you got to cut that out. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't go out getting drunk um, yeah. like you used to. And... What happened was after about six months of staying away from everybody that that mm-hmm. I used to run with, I gradually started to get this confidence that I had progressed in my relationship with the Lord to the point where it was okay to go back around the same people, into the same places, and I was going to be okay. And it was about the third time that I chose to do that that I ended up drunk for the third time thinking I could go around those people in those places and not be affected Mm -hmm. by it. 
before I finally was like, I can't do this. This is madness. I'm not strong enough. I don't have what it takes. I keep going around the wrong people. When I say wrong people, these aren't bad people. These aren't Mm -hmm. people that I look down on or anything like that. They're just wrong for my purpose. They were, I I wanted something different in life. Um, And so I had to distance myself in that. But I remember that first year of being saved, I would wind up getting drunk Mm -hmm. only when I would go around this group of folks, and we would go to this cert- these certain mm-hmm. types of places. And so without a shadow of a doubt, the wrong people in the wrong places yeah. lead to a lot of shame, a lot of pain, a lot of regret, right, right people, right place. And you, you really, at that point, mm-hmm. you get the right people, you get yourself into the right place, then you can yeah. start doing the right things and be on the right path for what God wants for your life. Yeah. I think that's important to remember, and I... Like, I remember a time in my life where someone spoke that truth into me and it had nothing to do with with drinking or anything like that. Actually, these people went to the same church that I did at the time, but there was a guy that I had dated and we'd broken up and there was just a lot of hurt there still. And it was actually his cousin who ended up telling me, he said, you know, that that night that we all tried to get a hold of you and you didn't answer and you didn't end up coming and hanging out with us. And I said, yeah, he said, you need to do that more often. He said, you need to separate yourself from all of us for a while. And it kind of really hurt in the moment, but as time went on and as I did that, then God began to move and work in my life. And I realized that even though they weren't necessarily bad people, they still weren't the right people for me in that moment, in that season. And I remember hearing a teaching that kind of equated relationships and sometimes having to remove people from your life or that Mm -hmm. kind of thing to, to when you move, like when you move to a new house, you usually don't take every single item. There comes a point where you're, you go through your items, you purge some things, you get rid of some things. When you move on, you want to make sure that you're only taking what's really necessary. And it's the same thing in our spiritual lives as well, that there are times like people aren't meant to be in our lives forever at times. There are friends who only are there for seasons or reasons. And sometimes when God calls you to something else, like you have to, you have to decide, okay, they're not going with me. And I think it was also very important how you talked about boundaries. Oh yeah. For some people in some relationships, it's not that you're removing them completely, but you have to set some healthy boundaries in that case. Yeah, I think that 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 oh, that is mainly with family, uh-huh. um, because friends. I mean, you can just cut them off if they're not the right people. You mm-hmm. can absolutely just cut them off. Like, it, I'm not yep. saying that it's easier that it doesn't hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But family, sometimes you find yourself in situations where you can't just yeah. you can't just cut um, mom and dad off. Mm-hmm. But mom and dad may be one of the biggest sources of your pain if you don't set yeah. some boundaries. You might never get where God wants you to go. It, it's something that for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got to say it while, while, because I know people will listen to this before next Sunday. You cannot miss this coming Sunday. Right. Um, We're extending this series. The Lord gave me two passages. I didn't really know what he wanted and what I was studying this morning. You literally, you cannot miss Sunday. Um, I just got to say that while while I'm there. Now I'm already losing my train of thought. But um, boundaries, yeah, a lot of times that's with family because you can't just, you can't just cut your brother or your sister off mm-hmm. all the, like completely, but you can limit the exposure that you have to those situations. And honestly, I was thinking 
I want to be fair to the people that I used to do life with. I was also the wrong person for right. them. So if you hear me saying these were the wrong, pe- these were the wrong people, these were the wrong people, I was part of yeah. the problem. Like yeah. I was the wrong person for them. In fact, I had a friend in high school who I was such the wrong pro- person for them, and their his parents knew that. Mm-hmm. They didn't want me around him, and that always hurt me and always frustrated me. But now as a dad, as a man of God, uh-huh. as an adult looking back, I go, man, they were so right. <laughs> Because every time I went around their son, I caused him so much problem. And he was too nice to say, like, man, you're a screw-up. Get away from me. (laughs) So, like, when I say the right people, the wrong people, trust me, I've been both of those at all times. But, yeah, boundaries, like, because you you just can't cut family off all the time. I know Mm -hmm. in some situations you can. Everybody's got their own deal but like in some situations you're you've got to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. because maybe you're you are the one that's going to reach them impact them be right. the one that helps them change but like it may be for a season there has to be a boundary hey here's what's yeah. going on in your life it's not the direction that we're wanting to go or every time i come around you're always dogging my faith or my husband or my mm-hmm. wife or you're always saying i'm not doing an, like whatever it is and those yeah. the things that you're listening to will affect you and, you, and sometimes you just got to get yourself out of that situation for a season right. or you got to set those boundaries. Hey, when we come over, when we spend time, I don't want this going on. Right. I don't want to hear anything about this. This isn't mm-hmm. healthy or whatever it is. And so that, yeah. that's what has to happen with the boundaries. It, I, it's not easy. Trust me. People don't always respond to boundaries well. In fact, I don't know that anyone really responds to boundaries <laughs> well, but right. it, it, it's a necessity. Yeah, Absolutely. So what are some things to keep in mind or questions that we can ask ourselves to know if someone is the right person to have in our lives? And what are some next steps that we can take in order to get those people into our lives? Okay, so to answer this, let me make sure that I'm talking to uh, followers of Jesus. Okay. Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, the way to answer are these the right people is, are they drawing me closer to Jesus or pulling me further away? Are they building my faith or are they helping to destroy my faith? Are they, you know, are they building me up or is it tearing me down? Um, One of the things that God just really is laying on my heart heavy recently is like to talk to single people because in in Uh 10 years of ministry, I cannot tell you how many single people I have seen come to our church absolutely Uh on fire for the Lord. God doing incredible things in their life, and they get hooked up with the wrong person mm-hmm. that then they, the next thing we know, they're out going back to the way they used to be living. Right. And they, they, they get with the wrong person who is not drawing them closer to Jesus, drawing them mm-hmm. further away, and they couldn't tell that that was a bad relationship for them. Right. And so I just I just speak this to everybody. If you're in a relationship right now and that guy or that girl is causing you to compromise your faith, you got to get out of it. Yeah. If a guy says, "Oh, let's go ahead and move in together. I know we're not married." He's not Mr. Right for you. Right. He he's taking advantage of you. He wants to play house with you. If a girl wants to do that, she's taking advantage of you. She just wants to mm-hmm. they want to play marriage, but they don't want to play commitment. That is mm-hmm. not of God. That's not ultimately healthy for you. And it's the same with friends or anything like that. If every time you go around that group of friends, like this was my story, I got drunk. Well, mm-hmm. if, if your goal is not to get drunk, stop going around those people. Yeah. So that, that, that's it. Are they helping you be more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like the guys in my 
Bible study. They help me be more like Jesus. They challenge me to be better. Mm-hmm. Those are the people I need to do life with. Yeah. And, and so that's the question. If you're following of Jesus, are they helping you get closer to Jesus, or are they making you less like Jesus? And, and that's really the right questions to be asking. Your next step, I mean, there's no, there's, if you've been around Southridge for more than a month and you don't know that this is your next step, <laughs> you have to get into a group. Yeah. You just have to do Absolutely. it. And I'm so tired of all the excuses. Like, yeah. I, I, I've run out of sympathy for the excuses because it's this important. It's yep. literally, it, it is whether or not I'm going to follow Jesus with my life or I'm going mm-hmm. to end up losing my faith and walking away. It's, it's the difference between eternity that mm-hmm. people have got to get into biblical community and yeah. the whole nonsense of I just don't have time. Nobody right. has time. Nobody has time. We got to make time. Mm-hmm. Or I'm an I, I, I'm not a people person. Guess what? Me neither. I mm-hmm. I would love to be by myself 95 percent of my life. <laughs> That's totally fine. But I need other people. That's the yeah. way that God designed me. And so I'm very passionate about it right now because I'm just so tired of seeing the stories of yeah. people that chose to do life by themselves, and then life is very cruel to them and beats them down, and they can't figure out what's wrong. Right. Well, it's because you do not take the next step it hurts it's a commitment Mm -hmm. it's a sacrifice but we're in the year of sacrifice yeah sacrifice your comfort sacrifice your preference sacrifice your time sacrifice timmy's practice or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and get yourself into a group so god can do something amazing and i promise if you'll commit to that for a year you'll look back this time next year and you will realize that it was the best decision you ever made yeah absolutely 100% agree. And I think because we know so many of those stories who have been able to say, like, looking back, I know that, like, we wouldn't have been married if we didn't get in a group. Or this wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have been in a group. Like, to know that, I mean, just this past week, your men's Bible study stepped up and helped someone get a refrigerator who needed it and get it to them because y'all were able to do that. Like, we're able to be the church as it was designed when we are in community with each other and in the right relationships with people. And so um, definitely make sure you do that. You can find groups at src.life slash groups. We'd love to help you get involved and connect with you if you need more help with that. But I'm really excited that you shared that this series is extended because I know you shared that with us staff and we're excited to see what God has laid on your heart and hear more from you from the for this for the future series and about the year of sacrifice and what it's going to take from us. And so be sure to tune in next week and hear more about how to take your next steps in your faith journey. Thanks for tuning in to the extra point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.